you can have everything in life you want if you will just help enough other people get what they want. Do you know which famous motivational speaker said that? Buckle on up. You are about to find out from this legendary icon son. Welcome to the Motivation Show podcast, where we interview remarkable world-class experts that help bring out the greatness within you. Top book authors, super successful business people, and outstanding special guests that will motivate and inspire you with their incredible, uplifting stories and life-changing tips and strategies. Our goal is your success. If you desire more out of life, you've dialed into the right show. So fasten your seatbelts, friends, and let's get ready for some high-octane motivation. Now, your host, the mayor of motivation, Eli Marcus. Our guest is a motivational speaker, executive coach, conference speaker, and the CEO of Ziegler Inc. His father, the incomparable Zig Ziglar, was synonymous with motivation and self-improvement. His messages of motivation and inspiration touched the lives of over 250 million people worldwide, and he will forever be remembered as a legend in self-help. Many of today's biggest names in business, finance, marketing, and self-improvement credit Zig for their success. Welcome to the Motivation Show, Tom Ziegler. Well, Eli, wow, what a blessing to be here. I'm so excited. Uh, you got me fired up just with the introduction, so let's get rolling. Well, you know, my first inclination, Tom, is to think about how it was like to grow up with Zig Ziglar as your father. How did his legendary status impact you growing up? A couple of things. First off, uh, as good as he was on stage, he was even better off stage. One of my good friends after dad passed away, he told me, he said, you know, your dad walked his talk and he was a really good talker. <laughs> and that says a lot. And so, you know, dad growing up, he, he always told myself and my sisters, this. He said, whatever you do, I'm going to support it 100%, whatever you choose, as long as you do it with complete integrity and 100% effort. And so that was, that was like this freeing uh, realization that, you know, there, there was no preset. You have to do this. You know, you need to be a speaker. You need to go in sales. No, dad was 100% behind our gifts and talents, what it is that we wanted to do but he set the standard high in the things that we could control, which was our effort and our integrity. And that really is an empowering place to be. So growing up, that was the role model that I had. Uh, a lot of people, Eli, you know, find it hard to believe he was kind of an introvert at home. He was kind of laid back and reading. And, and then you see him in public and he would just light up. He, the energy from the room I would, would come into him and then he would magnify it and send it back out. And that, that wave would happen and the room would just become electric. So he loved people and he loved getting energy from people, but he was also kind of quiet and introverted at home. You know, that's really remarkable because I had the fortune to see him uh, many decades ago at the Javits Center in New York City. And boy, I tell you, uh, you know, watching him jump around the stage with that Southern drawl, which, uh, you know, I mean, just gave me goosebumps. 
so my first inclination was it's impossible to be like Zig because he's like the extrovert's extrovert. And yet, yeah, now you're telling us that it wasn't like that offstage. And that reminds me of some other greats like Michael Jackson, uh, Barbara Streisand, uh, Sir Laurence Olivier. When they got off the stage, they were actually quite very different. So it shows you that you can kind of have a personality that, you know, where you kind of electrify yourself on stage. Uh, there's hope for all of us. You know, I was an actual, uh, a painful introvert myself, and I never thought that I could get up on a stage and speak because I looked at the Zig Ziglar's, I looked at the Tony Robbins, and I looked at the Les Browns, and I said, you know, how could you possibly even come close to matching something like that? And even if you adjust yourself, you're still going to fall so many rungs down. But your father, um, you know, when I watched him, uh, he just seemed so natural. Now, of course, I wasn't there to see all the practice. Tell me about the practice. Tell me what he did to prepare to become Zig Ziglar on stage. Oh, wow. Well, uh, first off is he prepared at least three hours for every presentation he ever did. And you got to think, well, if you've never given a presentation, that might not seem like a lot. But if you've already given pretty much that same presentation a thousand times, and you're still putting three hours into it. Why is that? And I and Dad would say this. He's he would say, you know, for some people in the room, it'll be the first time they've ever heard me, and I want them to hear the best speech I've ever given. And so out of that, he had this this drive, this motivation to make every presentation better than the last one. And so how did he do that? Well, in that three hours, he wasn't rewriting a presentation. He was analyzing it and looking at the three to five percent that he can improve or switch out with something new that would keep it relevant. Then I flash back to when I was a little boy. We would drive from Dallas, Texas to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, you know, the, almost two full days. And if you've ever been on a road trip with the family, after you're on the road about two hours, it gets really quiet. You know, everybody in the car is kind of quiet. This is before headphones and all that stuff. So you're just looking out the window or you're reading or you're trying to sleep. And I would look into the front seat and dad would be driving down the road and he would have this distant stare. And we've all gotten it, right? We're driving down the road. We're just looking down. And then I would see his hand start to move. And then I would look into the rearview mirror and I would see his lips and they were mouthing words. And what he was doing is he was rehearsing specific parts of his speech. And he was a word merchant. I mean, he would, you know, the reason that Zig Ziglar quotes are so memorable is because he spent hours refining them into their simplest essence so that anybody could remember it. And so that was who he was. And, and I remember uh, we interviewed Simon Sinek one time who said, you know, Zig inspired me. And we said, well, how easy is speaking for you? And he said, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. It's, to, he said, the work that goes into mastering a speech is unbelievable. And he's one of the most effective communicators I've ever heard. So I just wanna, I wanna echo what you just said. You know, some people might have the gift to be able to speak naturally, but the truly great speakers, they combine that with hours and hours and hours of preparation kind of like a Michael Jordan, you know, you just think he's born with that gift, but uh, he actually outworked everybody else, even with the gift. So if you take the abilities that you're actually given and gifted by the almighty, and you combine that with the uh, 
endless preparation, you're, you're unbeatable. And you tell this great story of actually your father on an airplane with you and how every time he was on an airplane, he would kind of just doze off and let stewards know that he's going to doze off. And then as the wheels start to uh, you know make that noise, he wakes up. And then he starts to move the uh, upright tray and he starts to prepare. And when you asked him about why he prepared, basically said, yeah, as you said, that, that uh, sometimes people are hearing you for the first time. But what really stuck with me is that he's preparing for people so that they know that they're getting an authentic preparation and it's customized just for them. It's not just a cookie cutter presentation that he's done to hundreds of organizations. They know it's just for them. He took the time to do that. Talk about that. Yeah. So let's look at the two venues that he spoke in for 30 plus years. It was the big giant, actually more like 40 years, public events where people would buy a ticket. They'd go, there'd be 10 or 15 or 20,000. I think we estimated there was a 30 year stretch where he spoke 30 times a year on average to an average crowd of about 15,000. So that's a general audience. And so what he was doing to prepare for every one of those in the three hours was to bring in the new relevant information that was timely and consistent with what he was studying, which was really uh, personal development and success, human performance. It was, you know, not only how do we get results, but how do we internally motivate ourselves and create a why bigger than ourselves that helps us to get through the valleys that we all face. When he would go to corporate events, which was a huge part of what he did, he would take time to understand what the needs were of that organization. Uh, early in his career, he, you would we hear we hear old audio uh, recordings of him naming executives in the company or whoever won the sales award or the big problem they solved. He would talk about it, and so he always took the time to do that research with that company, and he continued that on uh, as he grew. It's just that his stage changed a little bit to where it was more putting in the new content and information relevant to everybody versus the specific needs of a company. One of the things that we teach all of our speakers that come through Ziegler is that you need to have three or four conversations, not just with the person hiring you to come speak at their event, but with their key people who are gonna be at that event and what their needs are and make friends with the crowd before you get there. Uh, because that is just a valuable thing. You know, there's a, there's a famous quote, uh, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And then dad added two words to that quote, and that is about them. And so if you want to know Zig Ziglar's secret in a nutshell from the stage is he was there for the room. He loved them. And that's what made him not only an effective speaker, but so loved by the audience and the audience was so willing to consider what he was saying because it was obvious he was there for them. <laughs> it wasn't an ego party where, you know, he was, for him, it was, there are people in this room who are struggling and maybe I can say one thing that'll change their thinking about something that'll lead to a breakthrough in their own life. Well, you know, that really is so powerful. You just said, Tom, because when you come to the realization that it's not about you and it's about the people that you're there to serve, 
the flow of your information is easier. You become more authentic and people take to you so much more uh, when it's about them. That's just like so brilliant and so well said. Uh, what I wanted to ask you is why did you choose to carry on Zig's legacy? Was there ever a doubt in your mind that you would step into the shoes of a, of a giant like your father? Oh, wow. So there's been uh, pivots and turning points in my life, just like everybody. Uh, when I went to college and, and I was in school, I played on the golf team. And for a while, I wanted to be a PGA golfer and play on the tour. And I actually started taking lessons from Hank Haney, who's if you know anything about golf, he, he coached Tiger Woods later on and all, you know, and so that was my deal. So I started working at the company basically to support my golf habit. I started back in the warehouse and then in uh, audio and video cassette production. That's how long ago uh, it was. And a couple of years into it, I hurt my back a little bit and I moved into sales at almost the same time. And Eli, I just fell in love with sales, getting on the phone and talking to people, solving problems. And so my golf desire went away. At the same time, my sales desire increased. And I'll just tell you the first turning point there, my very first sale. I'm on the phone. It's inbound sales. Back then, people used to call you. It was awesome. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> times have changed. And this man calls up and I thought he was ancient. I mean, he must've been in his sixties because I'm like 24, 25. And he says, uh, I introduced myself and he says, Tom, I'm glad it's you. I need some help. My son-in-law and daughter are going through a really difficult time in their marriage. My son-in-law is a dentist. He's very successful, but he has all of his student loan debt and he just bought his practice so they're being crushed right now financially, and they have three kids under five. What do you recommend? So here I am, a brand new salesperson, and I throw up our catalog, right? I just start, you know, new salespeople, they tell you. <laughs> and he stops me 60 seconds into it. And he says, Tom, here is my American Express card. Send them whatever you think they need. Let's pray. <laughs> so here it is. Did I make that sale? Absolutely not. What made that sale? Dad's reputation. And so then I started to understand, wait a second, I'm in the reputation business, not the sales business, right? I mean, that's a different, that's a mind shift of who we are. And then he says, let me, will you pray with me for my son-in-law and my daughter? Well, now I have this unbelievable moral obligation because he just, I'm a sales guy. He just gave me his credit card. I can send him everything or I could only send him one thing, right? Mm -hmm. And the choice is mine. And so morally now I've got to really dig deep into my heart and hear what his needs are and send him exactly what he needs. No more and no less. And isn't that really how the creator designed us to serve other people, to listen to their needs and to serve them in exactly the way they need to be served? And so that was a huge turning point that really sold me on, hey, what we do makes a difference. And so that was the that was kind of like, I love what we do. And then there were two or three other things down the road that just kept echoing that because it wasn't easy. I'm an introvert, too. I'm kind of a nerd. I don't have the charisma that dad has. And yet 
uh, people say, hey, you should go and speak. And, and that wasn't natural for me. So I had to grow into that as well. You know, what I admire about you and so many others is it's impossible to be Zig Ziglar. There's only one Zig Ziglar, one of a kind. And so if, if any of us really try to even dare to match, we'll fail at it. We can be the best that we can be for ourselves. And that's good enough. And when we get to that lesson in life, we can do and be anything we want. We just need not be somebody else. We need to be the best version of ourselves. And so that's a very, very powerful lesson. What I wanted to do is make a little bit of a fool of myself and get into one of the, the most famous Zig Ziglar quote, if not the most famous motivational quote of all time. You can have everything in life you want, if you will just help enough other people get what they want. Now, forgive me for that, but I do that in all awe and, and praise of Zig because that Southern drawl, which I didn't do justice to, stuck in my mind. And I don't know if partly because of that charming Southern drawl, but his delivery and the way he said that is impossible not to forget that. And that's probably the one motivational quote. And I've learned thousands of them from so many speakers, but that's the one that probably resonates most and sticks in my mind most. Tell us about that quote. You know, that is like the ultimate Zig Ziglar quote. And in fact, uh, today, you know, we have hundreds of coaches that we license to use our material. And the reason I love the whole industry of coaching in general is that it's at its essence is that what does a coach do? A coach achieves their dreams only by helping others achieve their dreams. Wow. Right. It's the same. So if you have a heart to serve and you want to help somebody be, do, and have more than they thought possible, that's what a coach does. And when you're coaching somebody and they've got an obstacle or a challenge, it's not that you bring all the answers. It's that you ask the right question so they can discover what it is. And I'll just go back to uh, another one of my favorites of dad's quotes is this success is the maximum utilization of the abilities that God gave you. And in our culture, we have a lie, right? Lie. The lie is, is that success equals money or fame or fortune or influence and all yes. these different things. <laughs> and so we get trapped, right? We compare ourselves to the other people on social media. We, we compare our speaking to the speaker on stage, who, by the way, has been doing it for 40 years, right? And it has a lot of input. That was intimidating for me. When I first started speaking, my, man, my stomach would get torn up and I would be nervous and upset and anxiety and worry. And I had to sit down and go, Tom, what's going on? And then I realized that I thought people wanted me to speak exactly like my dad. And that's a lie. They don't. Let me just tell you what people want. They want you to come totally prepared as the best version of yourself possible. And so then I realized, wait a second, you know, people would come to dad and they said, I want to be Zig Ziglar. I want to be you. And he would look him in the eye and say, oh, that's the worst thing you could have. <laughs> he would say, look, become the best you possible. Mm -hmm. Maximize your gifts and talents. Now, if you want to share the same type of content as me, fantastic. That's exactly right. But your style, your, your own personality, those things, that has to come from you. Why? Because if we try to be somebody else, 
the room will know we're faking it. So that's where authenticity comes in. And so that freed me. When I understood that, I said, you know what? I can get on stage. I can be a nerd. I can tell really bad jokes. That's what I love to do is to let people know that, hey, I, just like that, I'm here for you. If you want to judge me in, in a relationship to Zig Ziglar, just judge it on the principles and values. That's what I want you to judge me on. My style is totally different. I get it. Some people are going to love it. Some people are going to say it's okay. And some people are going to prefer to listen to somebody else. That's fine. But there are people that I reach that dad had a harder time with, just like everybody does. So I love the idea of you can have everything in life you want if you just help enough other people get what they want. And you've got to understand that everybody's unique in their gifts and talents. And that's what we need to celebrate. Yeah, wouldn't that change a lot of things at networking events? Instead of people just handing your, you their card and telling uh, you all about them, they'd start with you and just trying to help you first. <laughs> if you got yeah. Zig Ziglar's uh, quote, you, you'll, you'll not hand your business card out first. You'll make it all about the other person. Uh, and then you'll get with everything that you want anyway. So it's such a valuable lesson. And that's something that I learned. And I had to learn it the hard way myself. I was the guy that went out there, made 30,000 cold calls, thought it was all about me, all about my commission, all about what I can get until I finally flipped it and realized, listen to what Zig said, you know, just find a way to get them what they need. And that's when I became great at what I did and only until then. So Zig had a, a profound impact upon me. Yeah. And, and I want to get into another one of uh, Zig's uh, classic quotes where he says that money is not the most important thing, but it is reasonably close to oxygen. And I've had problems when I had money. I've had problems when I didn't have money. If you're going to have problems, it's better to have money. Tell us about that. Oh, wow. I love those two. And that always was very realistic. And this is one of the things that we teach. Look, money's important. You know, life just goes better if you, if you have money. And I have a very good friend uh, and a mentor. His name is Rabbi Daniel Lappin. And so he kind of embodies a couple of the Zig quotes in his own way. And, and this is the first thing that he says. If you solve a problem, you're often rewarded with certificates of appreciation. We call this money. The more problems you solve, the more certificates you get. Now, here's what's cool. And this is a rabbi. So, you know, uh, to me, that's got some weight behind it. He says this, the creator of the universe is never happier with his children than when they're solving the problems of his other children. Mm, powerful. And so you can have everything in life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. So if our mindset, if our attitude, if our belief is, hey, I'm going to go out and solve as many problems as possible, right? I'm going to help people get what they want. They, they don't want the problems. That is a powerful, powerful concept. The, the greatest thing that we can do. And here's, here's what's awesome is it doesn't matter what work you do. You can be a waitress, you can be a clerk, you can be a teacher, you can be a business owner, you can be a sales professional. You are solving problems. You are doing something morally and ethically that makes the world a better place. So you can, you can take confidence and joy in what you're doing and then you can take it up a notch by caring about listening to and serving the people who you encounter in your daily work. One of my friends says this, his name is Bob Bodine. 
And he says this, what have you done with the people that God's put in front of you? That is just such a, a beautiful way to look at whatever you're doing. It's too many times people say, oh, I'm just, uh, and they name whatever career they have. Wait a second. <laughs> you encounter people every day and you can, you can make a difference in their life just in the way you serve them. That is so powerful. You know, you talk about that goals fall into seven categories. Can you expound upon that a little bit? Yeah, we created at Ziegler, uh, and dad probably started teaching this 50 years ago, that in life, there's seven areas of life. There's the mental, our mindset, the way we see the world, the way we think, the spiritual, which is our principles and values and our faith, the physical, which is our overall health, right? How much do we sleep? What do we eat? How much movement are we getting in? How do we handle stress? Then there's the family, right? Our relationships at home with our, with our family. Then there's the financial, which is our stewardship around the money and our goals and our dreams around what we want to accomplish. Then there's the personal, which is the things that bring us energy. And finally, there's our career, or I call it our economic engine, whatever we do to serve others that allows us to get certificates of appreciation. And so those are the seven areas. And if you ask somebody, what goals do you have? they will always give you a goal that fits nicely into one of those seven areas. And one of the things that we teach and everything we do is that you need to have balanced success. You need to be successful in all seven areas. And here's the test on that. If you had all the money in the world, but you lost your health in the process, would it be worth it? Not a good deal. <laughs> Not a good deal. What if you went to bed every night anxious and worried with no peace of mind and no hope for the future? Not a good but, deal. <laughs> but you had a beautiful house to sleep in. You know, dad used to say this. He said, money will buy you a house, but not a home. It'll buy you a bed, but not a good night's sleep. It'll buy you a companion, but not a friend. We want some of the things that money will buy, but we want all of the things that money won't buy. And so in our life, We've got to focus on those seven areas if we're going to have all that life has to offer. Yeah, you talk about it, stuff-itis, which is one of your terms, you know, trading money for more stuff. I don't like that uh, end of that, the itis, which means some sort of an illness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here's what's interesting is since the pandemic has started, you know, millions have went home in the initial lockdown and they said to themselves, wait a second, you know what? I've got friends who are sick. My job is uncertain. I'm trying to figure out how to work in this new environment. What's going to happen to me? And they started really digging into what is the purpose and the reason and the why and the dream in their life. And so they started saying, wait, there's more to life than just trading my life for, you know, a certain amount of time to earn a certain amount of money so I can buy a certain amount of stuff, right? So now fast forward a year and a half, the number one issue in large companies is this the health and well-being of their people. So here's the connector. Big companies have figured out finally that quality of life equals quality of work. And dad had a quote, you probably remember it from the 70s and 80s. He said this, he said, if standard of living is your number one objective, your quality of life will almost never improve. If quality of life is your number one objective, then your standard of living almost always goes up. And so what I love about the opportunity, I'm, you know, like you, I'm an optimist. I'm excited about the time we're in, all the disruption, all the challenge, all the change. I love it because when there's disruption, 
that equals opportunity, which means problems need to be solved, which means that people have the right mindset. This is our time. So for the first time in a long, long time, there's a, a majority of people who are like, you know what? I want my life to count. I want it to matter. I want to do things that fill my soul and make a difference in the world. That's why we have nine and a half million jobs open right now. That's why companies are struggling to find top performers because people have shifted their priorities back to that quality of life. So I'm excited. You know, the young Eli Marcus flew to Plano, Texas to see the great Jim Rohn. The young Eli Marcus went to the Javits Center to see the great Zig Ziglar. The young Eli Marcus saw Tony Robbins when he first started out. He would have gone to see anybody and everybody. I want people to get the benefits of what I learned from Zig Ziglar. Uh, you just wrote a book recently, I think 2019, called Choose to Win. Tell us about how people can learn more about your book your courses, your legacy certifications, go right ahead. All right, awesome. So the best place to find out about Ziggler is just go to Ziggler.com, Z-I-G-L-A-R.com. And right there, we've got the book, we've got our, uh, we work with people who want to speak and train and teach Ziggler materials. We work with coaches at all levels, uh, license them in our programs. So you can find out that information there. Of course, the book Choose to Win is there, but you can also get that on Amazon or Audible or, or any of those great places. You know what, Eli, it's, it's just an amazing blessing to be able to do what we do. And, and me personally, everywhere I go, there's friends I have not met yet. There's family <laughs> that I didn't even know existed. Why? Because they've heard the lessons. They are members of Automobile University listening to Zig Ziglar in their car. And when I encounter them, wherever I speak in the world, it's, it's like family. And here's the reality is that, you know, dad used to say this, a positive attitude won't let you do anything, but it will let you do everything better than a negative attitude. And so right now, if you can make the choice, the book Choose to Win, the byline is transform your life one simple choice at a time. <laughs> if you make the choice to see everything through the mindset, through the lens of opportunity and serving others in their need, then the next years are going to be amazing. I'll have to tell you something. You delivered here today. You were powerful. And I love the lessons. And that last lesson right there, you know, just it's all about mindset and keep it positive and keep it trained on, you know, opportunity rather than lack. Thank you so much for those lessons. You've been a great guest today, Tom. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for tuning in. We love our listeners and we believe you have greatness within you. If you like The Motivation Show, we appreciate you subscribing, rating, and reviewing us. Check out EliMarcusSuccess.com to hear more inspiring shows and to read our motivational blog. That's EliMarcusSuccess.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.